Thanks, Jono. Before I do that, could Vic and Andrea, could you come up and share with us? For those who were here last week, we had one testimony after another of what the Lord had done for us, for our body, for people sitting right next to you through Life Transformation School. And meanwhile, we have some other things to testify about. Andrea, share what happened to you last Sunday. I'll kind of share it, kind of how it came to light. So uh, last week before Sunday, I, well, really for a couple of years, I've been dealing with some pretty severe back issues. I had surgery 22 years ago, and there's things that degenerate over time now that I'm older. And I've actually got three herniated discs, and one of them has been causing me a great deal of pain. And I'd been in persistent, like, nerve burning pain all down my leg to where it really was debilitating me on many levels. And I almost didn't come to church on Sunday because I'd been in so much pain that I was like, I probably just need to rest, you know, but my daughter gave a testimony I didn't want to miss. So I came and throughout the church service, I remember during worship standing and being in a lot of pain with the radiating burning, you know, and thinking I'm going to persist here, you know, in worship, I'm not going to sit down. I'm going to persist. And as, as the service went on, um, it, it, I didn't really realize it until that night I went on a walk with my daughter and I was like, Ashton, I've had an amazingly pain-free day. I've like, after church, I realized like through church, my pain just dissipated. And she was like, mom, the same thing happened to Victor. Amen. So... Last Sunday, if you were here, you know there was not a sermon per se, but there were multiple sermons. There were amazing testimonies. And I remember uh, when Pastor Guile uh, asked the elders to come up forward and pray for the West off. And honestly, I went, oh, no, because I was such pain in this leg and just it was shooting. And and uh, I, I know I probably heard it playing a little pickleball or whatever. Uh, yes, I know. I, my wife tells me all the time, you think you're 18, you know, and that's a problem. But anyway, I, I was in major pain and I actually had to go use those stairs because I wanted to use the railing because it was hurting so much. And, uh, so during praise and worship, I was sitting down and then as the testimony started, I started feeling less pain and less pain and less pain. And by the last testimony, which happened to be Ashton Hogue, when Guile said, would you, let's stand and just worship. And I had no pain, no pain whatsoever. And it's just like, you know, the power of prayer and the power of the living word being spoken out has so much dynamis, you know, it has so much power that sometimes we don't need a sermon because the sermons is out there. We just got to be listening. Amen. I, w- I was just going to add, you know, you know, we know in Revelation it says that the that we defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. And I mean, do you know how many times I've been healed? I've been prayed for to be healed, and I didn't walk away healed. That I've had to persist in stewarding the health I have along with pain, and yet here I am soaking in testimony, and I walk away pain free. Y'all, share your testimonies. Be faithful to say, tell people the goodness of God 
in the land of the living. You're seeing it. You're experiencing. I think we, you know, in this pain dynamic, it's easy for me to be like, you know, and tell of all the hard things. But may we be faithful with the testimony so people can receive freedom. Thank you, guys. Isn't he incredible? Literally, by the end of the service, they were both pain-free and continue to be. I wonder if there's anyone else that something's happening in you, the Lord's moving in your life, whether through healing or through revelation or through just breakthrough. And if there is, would you share it with us? We want to rejoice with you. Um, So anytime something's going down, bctulsa.com slash share. We, we really want to hear what's happening among us and rejoice together. That's wonderful, right? We would have no idea. They're sitting there being like, they weren't going to come. It's awesome. Well, um, as you know, we're led by a team of elders, and three of those elders are pastors, Guile, Jono, and I. And we're seeking the Lord every week on behalf of our fellowship. And lately, over the last six months or more, the Lord's been saying something over and over again. We can't escape it. In prayer, through prophecies, through his word, through what he's saying. And this is just a little taste of what he has in store for us as a family, as a body. And so I just wanted to share this with you. Um, Over the last um, weeks, Guile's been teaching us about what kind of God we're serving, right? He said, this is the kind of leader Jesus was. He did everything wrong in the eyes of people, right? He wasn't flashy. He wasn't hanging out with the right people. He wasn't running a take-over-the-world campaign, right? He, he He wasn't doing what they wanted him to do, but he was God of all. And then we heard two weeks ago that Guile taught us that God is a father. He's a redeemer. He's a judge. He's a king, but he's first a father. He wants to be known as a father, and he's a father who redeems. He's a father who judges for our protection. He's a father first. And so we want to continue um, to learn about who God is and what that means for all of us. He's the one who informs us who we are and what we do, right? So we want to look at him. And I believe the Lord has an invitation for us today. And as we were praying this morning, Amy said, Amy said a prayer, and I want to to bless us with this this morning. She said, I pray the words of God to us today would be like honey to us, sweet, right? And she said, I pray they would be like hot sauce to us, that it would stay with us. It would stay in our heart. <laughs> A little heartburn. No, that he would, he would soften our hearts. He would soften our hearts. He would stay with us. And we, it would also be like honey to us, the benefit of who he is. Is that okay? Well, let's start off finding out what the Father's like from Luke 15. You ready? Okay. Starts off with the parable, the lost sheep. It says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. 
But the Pharisees, the religious people looking for God for hundreds of years had been fixed on. They want to do what the scriptures say. They want to make sure they're following God. They could be just like us. We, we want to look to the scriptures to see what God's saying, right? We're, we're intent on following him and making sure we're not caught up in something else, right? So a bunch of sinners were listening to Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered to themselves, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Gross. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Then he says another parable, the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost coin. He says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one of them. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search and careful, carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, doesn't she call her friends and neighbors together and say, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels over, of God over one sinner who repents. What are we seeing about what God's like just from the start of this chapter? He really wants to find the lost things he has, right? And what does he have? The people he created. He really wants to find them. Just like the woman really wanted to find her lost coin and the shepherd really wanted to find his last sheep, he's saying, there's lost things that need to be found, and it's a priority. The other thing we see is that God really wants to celebrate and rejoice with other people, right? The, the first thing the woman says, rejoice with me, I found it. Come, neighbors, friends, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. The father really wants the lost things he has and he really wants to rejoice about it with other people. So then he continued on with another. He, he really wanted to show them this. He's saying the lost sheep, the lost coin, now the lost son. You've probably heard a lot of messages on this one, but this might be a different word today. We could endlessly talk about this. But let's see what he has for us. So then Jesus continued talking to them. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. I wish you were dead. I want all your money. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his father's wealth in wild living. And after he had spent every last penny, 
There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs, the grossest possible job. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and I'll say this to him. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, he went to his father And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. And so we see the father wants his lost son. And he wants to celebrate. He wants to celebrate with other people's. Let's have a feast. That's the first response. And so they began to celebrate. He really wants his lost people, and he wants to celebrate when they're found. There's another side of the story. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. And when he came here near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he, so he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on in there? Your brother's come, he replied, and your father's killed the best there is because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered all we had, your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the best for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So we see the father wants his lost son and he wants to rejoice and celebrate with others. Yet the older brother is outside scowling. He's refusing to come in. He doesn't even want to call his brother his brother. He says, your son, this son of yours, came home. Not not anyone related to me. 
He's not celebrating. He's not rejoicing. He's standing outside refusing to feast on the very best. Saying, I don't want the very best. I want to stand out here scowling. I want to think about myself. I want to compare myself to my brother and think about how I'm better than he is. The older brother had done all the right things all that time, but he didn't value what the father valued. Right? The father wants his lost son, and he wants to celebrate, but the older brother didn't value that the lost son was alive again, and he didn't value partying. <laughs> the father's not angry with him, right? He pleads with him, come into the party, rejoice with me. Don't stand out here sulking, thinking about yourself. Come in. Come into the party. I'm pleading with you. Now, we we could take this any number of ways, but I want to share with you now a, a picture the Lord gave me earlier this month, and then another picture he gave me. And all these pictures were coming forth from times of prayer with the elders, in which we had words of prophecies coming forth. We were praying eagerly for the lost and wondering what the Lord's asking of us as a church. We were praying about this passage. We were asking how we could be a part of what the Lord's doing on the earth. And we were repenting that we had tried to stay safe and preserve what we had rather than to go with the Lord in what the work he was doing. We wanted to stay safe rather than join him in his work. And we were just lamenting and praying a bit about these things. And then this word came forth. So the picture I got, look at this. So in this, you see the brother working in the field in the distance. He's working really hard for the Lord. He's working hard for the Father, doing what he asked him to do, take care of the land, right? And, but in the picture I saw, I wondered, what would it be like if when the father ran out to the son, the older brother was running out with him? He saw him there and dropped the, dropped the cart he was using and ran and hugged his brother also. What if he joined the father in looking for the brother, longing for him to be home? What, what would that look? The three of them hugging together. And then what would it look like if the older brother helped plan that party? He's getting the servants going. He's the one emceeing the whole party, saying, my brother's home, let's do this. And it felt like an invitation from the Lord for us. It felt like honey. What, what if that was the case? What if that had been the way the story went? What if that was the response of the older brother? About six days later, we were praying again, and I got another picture. And it was a picture of an older brother coming to the hospital to see his younger sibling who had just been born. They were meeting for the first time, like this. He's like a little nervous, but really cute and excited, like, what is this? But 
It was sweet. Here was his younger sibling being born. And he was proud to be an older brother. Right? But then in the picture, I saw that later, <laughs> later, the older sibling begins to act out because things aren't the same as they used to be. The family had begun to change, and he didn't want to accept it, or she didn't want to accept it. And as the older child, the older brother or sister, continued to get older, it became a shame because they weren't maturing. They were just continuing to have tantrums and being in timeout quite continually, even the older they got. And instead of rejoice at their new family members and help raise them, look after them, love them, receive love, receive how different these new siblings were from themselves. Instead, he, they spent time away from the family, sulking and not wanting to be a part of what the family was building. Because they were going to have to not be the baby anymore. They were having to train and, and take care of things. They were having to be an older brother. And they didn't want to accept that. And I believe that both these pictures of a little new baby being born and of the prodigal son rejoicing that his brother is home are invitations of the Lord. As we see people coming to the faith, we are praying daily for people we know. Every day, our body is praying for the people we know who are far from God. And you know what the Lord is doing? Bringing into his family the people we know who are far from God. That's the next thing he's going to be doing. That's what he's doing already. And will we be ready to receive them? Will we run out as the older brother and say, come, let's start this party. We're so glad you woke up. You came to your senses. Or will we be the older brother in the hospital saying, I love that you're here. Now my life's completely changed. This sucks. I want to separate from my family. I wish things could be the way they used to. I don't want to accept my new siblings. I want to be the baby. I don't want to mature. But the Lord is present with us, and he wants us to receive new gifts and new perspectives from the people he wants to bring to us to love. He wants to grow us so that we can train others to no longer be babies. He wants us to rejoice in what we're learning from him. Even though we may have learned it a while ago, he wants us to rejoice with people learning those things for the first time about who he is and what he's done. Let's look at what the Father wants and see if we can join him in these things. Right? He wants to find his lost children. He wants us and all his children with him. I know this is true because I live 24 hours away from my father in D.C. And my brother used to be in Denver. He longs for his children to be with him in the same state, in the same house. He wants them close. He longs for his children to be with him. 
and the Lord does too. You know, there's people right now in our neighborhoods, they think that God hates them. You know, in this country, there's whole people groups that think God hates them. Can you imagine? Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. He loves his creation and he wants them with him. And he's willing to go to the lengths to get them. Will we receive them? Will we value the things that he values his children? People right now think God hates them. And he, it couldn't be further from the truth. What the Lord desires is to rejoice and celebrate with us. He wants to call neighbors, friends, all of us together and say, do you want a party? They're home. They're home. Do you guys like to eat? Do you like to feast and celebrate and dance? The father loves those things and he wants to do that. Not just by himself. He wants to do it with us. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing. He doesn't want us to sit outside. He's pleading for us. Rejoice with me. He also wants us to value what he values. And he wants us to join with him in what he's doing. It's a family work. He has a family business. The business is love and bringing back his children. We can partner with him in doing that work because that's the main work of our lives. He set us free to do that work with him. And that work is like honey to us. It's like honey. It's a benefit to us. What does that work result in? More parties. It, is that laborsome? There's some hindrances to what the Father wants. And I wonder if we can examine our hearts now, if we can examine ourselves and say, are we hindering what the Lord God Almighty wants, the one who sets us free? Is there anything in us that's hindering what he wants to do among us? Are we involved in comparison? It's a really dangerous thing, and he's not asking us to be involved in it. Are we judging others? Are we the Pharisees who know the scriptures, who want to follow God? And we say, how gross that Jesus is hanging with those people. How gross that he's hanging with them. This guy surely isn't from God because he's not doing what we think he should do. He's not loving the people we think he should love. Maybe we're not valuing what he values. His pain point is the lost. He knows out there in the world, even us, we're sheep without a shepherd. There's no guidance in how to live. We're making this up and it, we're going down a toilet bowl making it up. He wants to guide us into parties and everlasting life. And we're saying, no, don't let them know. Just sheep running off of cliffs. That's what we're doing. Right? What about not asking him for what we need? 
you know, the brother, right? When the younger brother said, I want you to die and I want all your money, he gave it to him. The younger, the older brother never said, I want a young goat to celebrate with my friends. When the father had given it to him, he didn't ask for what he needed. He just grumbled and did the work he was supposed to do. But he could have been in relationship with the father. He could have been valuing the things the father valued. He obviously values parties. I'm sure he would have wanted that for him. But he didn't ask for what he needed. He separated himself from the family and just diligently did the work. Another hindrance is focusing on ourselves. Instead of focusing on where God is and what he's doing, we're focused on ourselves. How much we're better than these people. How much we understand the scriptures and how to live instead of these people. It might be hindering what the Lord wants to do because he wants us to join him in the work he's doing. But we might be sitting outside a party saying, well, this is what we did 20 years ago and this is what we'll do now. They might not get to play in the party even though he longs for us to join him in that work. Look at some of these passages with me and see if the Lord might want to soften our hearts today. He wants to liberate us. He doesn't want to count our sins against us just like anyone else out there. He wants to free us from whatever is hindering what he's doing and the joy that he wants to bring us, right? Look at this. People that have gone before us engaged in comparison. This is what the Lord directed them in. He's telling Peter, hey, man, this is what you're gonna, how you're going to die. It's going to be kind of hard. Peter, hearing this, then says, what about that guy? What about John, the one you love? How's he going to die? Same way, right? Because me and then him. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. If we're busy comparing our lives to someone else, we're sitting in pride and we're doing something the Lord's not asking us to do. He's asking us to work with him and see what he's doing. He's asking us to follow him, whatever that means. Each one of us, we're following him. We're not vicariously following him through other people. The scriptures say it's unwise to compare ourselves. And we're missing out if we are. Look, these tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees were muttering. They weren't hearing what Jesus was saying because they were sitting in judgment. We're longing to hear a word from the Lord, but we're muttering and grumbling about other people. He wants to free us from any judgments so that we can enjoy the work he has for us and we can party with him instead of standing outside, right? The Pharisees wanted to love God. They had spent their lives searching the scripture to know him. They weren't bad guys, but they were missing it because they were sitting in judgment,
what does Jesus value is pretty radical things. We could pick any scripture, but look at this in Luke 6. But love your enemies and do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. What? Just the first line. What are you talking about, dude? This is contrary to every way we're told. You wronged me, and I'm going to get mine. You wronged me, and now you'll see what happens next. Right? And that's not how Jesus is doing things. That's not what he values. He says, then your he wants to give us rewards. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. What? What must he value in order to be like this? He's kind to the ungrateful and wicked? Be merciful just like your father is merciful. We may be missing what Jesus values, and the things we think are valuable, he might not think are valuable at all. Can I share a quick story? It's not true. <laughs> but it's of uh, this guy dies, and he's at the pearly gates with Peter. And he's saying, name. You know, he's looking in the book of life for the name. And he's like, yeah, you're in. Let's go. And he's like, okay. And he has a huge bag with him. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you just come as you are. You can't bring that thing with you, this huge, heavy bag. And he says, no, you don't understand. I have to bring this with me. It's like, I, I've never had this happen. I don't, you, you can't bring the bag, dude. You're, you're in the book of life. Let's go. He said, please, please let me bring this bag. It's very important. So Peter goes, he's like, let me talk to someone. I don't, he <laughs> He goes and confers. He comes back and he says, well, let me see what's in the bag. And the man begins to bring out gold bars. And Peter said, you brought pavement? (laughs) What we think, because you know the streets of heaven are paved with gold. The things we think have a lot of value Maybe to the Lord don't have valuable aren't valuable at all. Amen. Jesus hung out with people who tarnished his reputation. He neither sinned nor condoned sin, but he did hang out with people that were seemingly not valuable as other people were. We have to value what Jesus values. We want to play with him. We want to get in on it. He valued us. He values each one of us. Look at this. He wants us to ask him for what we need. He wants us to be in relationship with him. It says in James, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from your evil desires that war against you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. 
yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God. And when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only to what will give you pleasure. The Lord's wanting to give us rewards and pleasure, but he's the one that will give it to us. He wants us to be in relationship with him, asking him for the things we need because he wants to give them to us. You know, this morning we were in need of 55 communion cups. And I'm teaching this message. I said, I'm going to ask you for what we need. We need to find in this building, we need you to multiply something we can't get on a Sunday. We need you to multiply these communion cups. We need 55 more. The next thing was, Shelly said, we found them in the building. That's so simple. That wouldn't have mattered. He wants to be asked, what do you need that you could ask him for? That you could draw close to him and say, I need this from you. I want to celebrate with my friends. He wants us to look for what he's doing. When G- Listen to this. This is the story of Zacchaeus, right? He said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. You're a wealthy, filthy tax collector. A great sinner. I want to come to your house today. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter again. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. How gross. Can you believe he's hanging out with them? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. The people couldn't join him in the work he was doing. Because they were busy comparing and complaining and judging. So they weren't looking for what he was doing. He wanted to save this sinner. He wanted them to have their money back that they were cheated out of. But they weren't looking to what Jesus was doing. They were looking at themselves. They were looking how they can't even be compared to this guy. He's so gross. Jesus wanted salvation to come to this house, and he did it anyway. But these people could have joined in on that, and they were missing it because they weren't looking for what he was doing. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing, and he wants us to be looking for it. And then lastly, look, he wants us to join him in meaningful work. You think getting our paychecks day after day is the thing that... He can provide that money. He's going to give us strength and energy to do the work and pay the bills and pay our taxes, right? He did that. He took naps. He paid his taxes. But he had a greater work he was doing all the time while he's paying his taxes, while he's taking naps, while he's cooking fish, just normal things of this life. He had a greater work that was fueling him. And the same is for us. There's a greater work fueling us even while we're going about our days. Listen to what Paul says. It's so cool. 
So look, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought Christ merely from a human point of view too. How different we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself and no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And so we're now his ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Your father loves you and misses you. The Lord is eager to not count our sins against us. If we've sinned and compared ourselves, if we've judged others, if we've been scowling outside or if that's what's in our hearts to do, he wants to free us from that. He doesn't want to count our sins against us. Isn't he awesome? Isn't he a wonderful God that set us free because it was a gift from him? And so these things may be hindering us from what the Lord wants. We want to mature as people who know God. We want to walk with him. But we may need to repent from comparison, repent from judgments we've made of other people groups. We may need to value what he values, set what we think is right aside, and turn to what he thinks is valuable. We may need to ask him for help and be in relationship with him. We may need to look for what he's doing and what he's asking of us. We may need to join him in his work. We may need to become party planners. We may need to grow in being great huggers because that's the meaningful work he's asked us to do. We may need to grow in being able to say, God doesn't want to count your sins against you. If any of these things you feel the Lord might want to deliver you from, could we stand together and repent and be glad that we could be free from anything hindering what God wants? Because after all, we're, we're the younger brother. We're the one who squandered everything and we ran back to the Lord and he welcomed us. So let's just pause. Say in your heart what you have to say and then we'll say all together. Just ask him to forgive you. He wants to. If you want to, you could say this after me. Lord, I've been comparing myself to others. 
I know you told me not to do that. Lord, I've been judging people. I've been sitting in a place of pride. I wish I hadn't done those things. I want to value what you value. I want to ask you for the things I need. I want to see what you're doing and join you. Would you help us, Lord? The Lord is eager to not count our sins against us, and he wants us to partake of him. Can we take the communion that's on our chairs, his body and blood? He said, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he has given thanks, he broke it and gave it. He said, take this. This is my body. Join me. Share in what I'm doing. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and he drank it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. It's poured out for many. Many more than us here. Right? Let's drink this cup knowing our sins have been forgiven. Whatever judgments we made, they're washed away in his blood. And whatever sins are out there, he's not wanting to count count them against people. Let's take this cup and rejoice. He's a good God that liberated us from what we've done. There's hardly anything we could do that could join him more than drinking his blood and eating his flesh. He says, I want you to partake of me. I want you to be near me and like me, right? Now, every single day and every single Sunday, we end our service by praying for those we know who are far from God, right? We're already wanting to join him in the work he's doing. It may mean we need to find some people we don't know or would never talk to that the Lord's moving in. But also, we have people in our lives who are far from God. Can we pray together our Oikos map prayer? Together. Lord, I pray for the people in my life who are far from you. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them into your family. And help them to grow as your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen.